Brutus number 11, New York Journal, January 31st, 1788. The nature and extent of the judicial power of the United States proposed by this new Constitution needs our particular attention. Much has been written by both sides on the subject of this new system, but I have not read anything that discussed the judicial powers with any degree of accuracy. Until we thoroughly examine the powers that this new judiciary will possess, we will have an imperfect understanding of how this new judiciary will operate in the central government as well as in the states. This government is a complete system, not only for making, but for executing laws. And the new national courts are not only to decide upon the Constitution and the laws made by the new government, but will also have authority to compel officers of the government to enforce their decisions. The real effect of this system of government will therefore be brought home to the feelings of the people through the exercise of judicial power. It is, therefore, of great importance to examine with care the nature and extent of the judicial power, because those who are to be vested with it are to be placed in a situation altogether unprecedented in a free country. They are to be rendered totally independent, both of the people and the legislature, both with respect to their offices and salaries. No errors they commit can be corrected by any power above them, nor can they be removed from office even if they repeatedly make bad decisions. The only causes for which they can be removed are conviction of treason, bribery, and high crimes and misdemeanors. The Constitution gives the courts the power to carry into execution the powers expressly written in the Constitution. Additionally, where powers are lacking or not well defined, the court will acquire new powers. Not by a change in the Constitution, but by a decision of the court. Judges will subtly shape the meaning of every article of the Constitution as they rule on its meaning over the years. And in their decisions they will not confine themselves to any fixed or established rules, but will decide what the Constitution means according to their interpretation of the reason and spirit of the Constitution. The opinions of the Supreme Court, whatever they may be, will have the force of law, because there is no power provided in the Constitution that can correct their errors or control their judgments. From this court there is no appeal, and it appears that even the legislators themselves cannot overturn a judgment of this court. According to this proposed Constitution, the Supreme Court is the court of last resort. The legislature must be controlled by the Constitution. They have no right to overturn a judgment pronounced upon the meaning of the Constitution. Just as they have no right to take away the command of the Army and Navy from the President. The executive, legislative, and judicial powers all get their authority from the same source, the Constitution. Therefore, unless written into the Constitution, the different branches cannot control one another and are independent of one another. The judicial power will, over time, operate in a silent and imperceptible manner that will subvert the power of the individual states. This is one among many other ways that the Constitution takes power away from the states. The court will also subvert the power of the national executive and legislature in addition to the states. Every decision of the Supreme Court on any question that may arise upon the nature and extent of the general government will limit the jurisdiction of the states, 
As the national government enlarges its power, the power of the states will shrink. The Supreme Court will strongly favor the general government. It will interpret the Constitution in such a way that will favor the expansion of federal power. This is evident from a variety of considerations. First, the way that the Constitution is written lends itself to this expansion of power. Most of the articles are written in general and vague terms. The powers are indefinite and require long definitions to unfold their meaning. The two greatest powers of the government, raising money and raising and maintaining an army, have already been shown to be controlled and limited only by the new national legislature. Further, the Necessary and Proper Clause gives the legislature the power to pass any and all laws they deem necessary for the country. This clause shows that the Constitution is not going to be construed in a strict way, according to its text. It will be understood that more power is implied than is written. This Necessary and Proper Clause shows the overall intent of the document, and that is how the entire Constitution will be considered. If we consider the words of the preamble, we can glean the great design and end that the Constitution has in view. The preamble reads, To form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. The ends expressed in the preamble will guide those judges when they determine what the Constitution means they will understand the articles of the Constitution as they are guided by the goals set forth in the preamble. How this manner of explaining the Constitution will operate in practice will be the subject of my inquiries in the future. Second, not only will the Constitution justify the courts in interpreting the Constitution in this manner, but the judges will surely use the latitude that this gives them. Every body of men invested with an office are protective of their power, so much so that it has become tradition to hand down their offices with all the rights and privileges unimpaired to their successors. Their successors will in turn want to extend and continue the power of the office. This process will operate on the court, and the judges will take every chance they have to enlarge their sphere of power and authority. Every expansion of congressional and judicial power will increase the power of the courts and the dignity and importance of the judges. Their dignity and importance will be in proportion to the power that they exercise. This will make the judges interested in extending the power of the courts and construe the Constitution to have more powers in as many instances as they can. Third, there is precedent in England for the courts extending their authority far beyond their original limits. The Court of the Exchequer is a remarkable example of this. It was originally created to deal with the king's debts and organize the revenues of the crown. It had a common law jurisdiction that extended over the king's accountants only. Originally, the Court of Exchequer was only assigned to hear cases involving people who owed money to the king. But now it is open to the entire country and anyone can sue in the Court of Exchequer. Do we expect the court to limit judicial power when there is nothing in the Constitution to limit the expansion of the court's power? Especially when the judges are the sole arbiters of the meaning of the Constitution? This power will enable the judges to mold the government into almost any shape they please. 
I will examine the ways they might do this in future letters.